Hey there, and welcome to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now, the podcast that's all about helping you navigate the sometimes terrifying and humbling journey of becoming the boss your business needs you to be. I'm your host, Jackie Koch, and I've been in the trenches building, recruiting, and HR programs for over 15 years. From hiring to firing and everything in between, I've seen it all. Technically, I have an MBA, but I can say with total confidence that I learned more about scaling teams working in high growth startups for the last seven years. This podcast is not going to bring you corporate red tape or high level theory. It's more like a fireside chat with your friend, you know, the one who always tells you the real hard, honest truth that's sometimes annoying. That's going to be me from time to time. We'll dive into the real talk about what it means to lead, to manage, and to build a team when all of a sudden you look around the room and you're like, oh shit, I'm the one in charge. No BS, just actionable advice and stories from people just like you. So whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur, a newbie boss, or somewhere in the middle, oh shit, I'm the boss now is your go-to source for insights, inspiration, and the occasional, well, hopefully more than occasional aha moment that'll make your journey smoother and more successful. So grab your coffee, your notepad, or just sit back and enjoy the ride because together we're going to tackle the challenges, celebrate the victories, and learn from the mishaps we all make. It's time to step into your role of boss with confidence, grace, and for the love of God, a little bit of humor. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm Jackie Koch, your host. And today we are talking about a framework really for how to build out and think about an organizational chart. I was inspired to record this because obviously in our recruiting work, when we are working with founders and CEOs, a lot of times we end up supporting them with figuring out how to build an org chart or actually usually what it is, is like what jobs they need to hire next. And usually the first question I'll ask them is what does your org chart look like? And oftentimes I find that it's not always clear. And a lot of times they don't know how they want to structure their business or their team or what hires they need to make. And if you Google how to build an org chart, you're going to get so many different words out there that different frameworks, you're going to get opinions on whether or not you need a hierarchy or not, if it should be a flat org chart. There's just so many names that people have used to define what an org chart is. It can often leave people confused, even myself, if I'm being completely honest. I've been doing a lot of recruiting and people operations work with small businesses for the last almost 10 years. And I often sometimes struggle with how to help coach people through how to do this and how to think about it. Or at least I thought. So I was having a conversation with a friend and a client of mine not too long ago about this and starting to feel a little bit like, do I even know what I'm talking about? And then the last few days I've been reading a book and I've talked about it on the podcast before, but a book by Donald Miller and it's How to Grow Your Small Business. And if you're familiar with any of his work, he wrote Story Brand and some other things and he's really good at just like creating descriptions for things and all of that. And he talked about how when you're building a small business and you're starting to think about who to hire and how to build out your team, you need to think about it like you're building an airplane. And I thought this was such a good 
description of it, especially for the clients that I work with and likely listeners to the show. If you're a small business, an org chart doesn't need to be super crazy analytical or this really well-crafted, built-out strategy. It often is in larger companies. And thinking about it like this as an airplane, I think is so much easier for you to conceptualize and also make sense as you're trying to build it out so that your business can grow. But what I wanted to first start out with was talk about like why org charts can even be helpful and why you might even want to do this exercise when you're thinking about the different areas of your business. And so as you start to bring people onto your team, and this really becomes helpful when you have five or more people on your team, having a visual of the jobs, the responsibilities, and who reports to who can be really helpful for people on the team. So it can clarify structure and then reporting relationships. So it helps your team understand who's in charge of different aspects of your business and who people report to. And that's really helpful when you're trying to understand who to go to for questions, right? It's not like, oh, who can I go to to get someone in trouble? It's more like, who's responsible for this part of the business? Who's the decision maker? Who can I go to to ask questions? Understanding who's responsible for what part of the business can help when you're having conversations of, oh, this person cares about XYZ because they're responsible for that, or they care about XYZ because this person reports up through them. It helps you create like bigger context for things that are going on in the business. It can also improve communication. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that writing out who reports to who like is going to fix your communication problem because it really probably won't. But it can help by getting clarity on who's responsible for what and who's reporting to stuff. It can help improve efficiency and can also help you make sure you're keeping the right people informed of certain things. But it's not going to fix your communication challenge. I hear this all the time. There's a communication issue. People don't know priorities. People don't know things. They're all working on the same thing. And so it's easy to say, let's get our org chart fixed. I have a client doing this right now. And Creating a more clarifying org chart doesn't actually solve that problem. But what I think they actually mean is like writing out who is responsible for what metrics, what tasks in the business, getting clarity on those things, and then publicizing it to the team helps to create a little bit of alignment so that people aren't all working on the same thing. It sets clear boundaries and things like, I don't know if boundaries is the right word, but it can help clear up questions about who's responsible for what. Because in business, a lot of times different aspects or different things in a business can be owned or done by different departments or different roles. And so getting clear about who's doing what in your business will help your team know who to ask questions, who's responsible for things, how you can hold people accountable. It helps create that, but it's not going to fix your communication issues. Now, for sake of this conversation, it also can help you with future planning and managing of growth of your team. So by taking the time to really think about this stuff, creating an org chart, you can create a current one and then a future one as you're thinking about what jobs you need to bring on to the team. And so it can be helpful in planning future hires or maybe a restructuring of the department. It can be a little bit easier to see it visually than not having it really in any sort of form or visual form. 
So those are the reasons why you might want to have an org chart build out. But at the end of the day, you still need to think about which jobs you're going to hire. So whether or not you decide to write out an org chart in Canva or on PowerPoint or however you do it, you still got to think about the jobs that you need to hire. That is really what this episode is about, is how to start to think about that. So I've already made mention to thinking about it like an airplane. So if you think about it, if you think about a diagram of an airplane, and again, I did not come up with this. I'm just sharing it because it's brilliant. So Donald Miller came up with this. But if you think about your company like and your team like an airplane, the pilot, the front of the airplane is like navigation. They are like the pilots sit in the navigation area of an airplane and they are making sure that you set the destination to where you want to go. And then throughout the ride, they're making sure that you're on track to hitting that destination, right? And so this is where you as a CEO, and if you are a small business, this might just be you. If you have a bigger team, if you have closer to 20 people, it might be you and two other people. It might be you and one other person. It really depends on your business, but it's you and your senior leadership team. And that is where you're really, like I said, setting the direction. So you have to cast the vision, set the direction for where the business is going, and then also come up with the metrics or the milestones that are going to help you know if you're on track to reaching where you set out to go. So just like if you're flying an airplane and you're monitoring things and you're like, oh shit, we're not going to have enough gas in order to get to where we need to go. You're going to find a place to land. You're going to do what you need to do to right size the airplane, get the more of the gas. Then you're going to figure out, okay, this is our new destination or it might be the same destination, but maybe it's a slightly different route to get there because you had to land to get gas, right? That's your job as the pilot of the airplane. And the leadership team is that for a business. Then as you're moving back in the plane for the business, you have wings. And so those are the things that give you lift. They're going to grow your business. They are things that are going to lift your business, propel it up into the air so that you can move forward, right? And so as you're thinking about the wings, one wing is going to be the sales side of your business. The other wing is going to be the marketing side of the business. And you need both of those things lifting up the airplane so that you can even get air in order to move forward. So those are two critical components of the business. Before I go more into those, I'm going to keep diving into describing the other aspects of the plane as it relates to your business. So like the belly and the back, that's like your load or your cargo. So those are the things that make your business kind of run or that you have to do to keep the business running. So if you think about that in terms of a business, that would be things like accounting, bookkeeping, HR would fall into there, um, administration, so administrative assistance. What also comes into here is the people you need to provide the service that you've sold or to make the product that you sell. So if you're a service or a product-based business, stuff that's in the belly, you think of these as like your operating expenses, right? OPEX costs. So if you're a product, that is the inventory. That's the raw materials. That's the production. That's the warehouse. That's the shipping. That is all OPEX costs. And that's all in the belly, right? That's holding the business down. So if you're in a service business, that would be like, for me, an example, I provide recruiting for clients and HR support. 
So what is actually an operating expense for me from a people and headcount perspective is the time that Molly and I spend actually recruiting. That's an OPEX cost. That's a cost of delivering what a client needs or the time that we spend answering HR questions, right? That's an OPEX cost. So there's different costs depending on the type of business that you have. And that's like just to provide whatever it is that your business is made of. Then there's the other things that support the business that I've already mentioned. So like the accounting, the finance, the HR, those types of things. That is really how you want to think about your business. And so as you're building and you're thinking about building a team, real quick, do you ever find yourself listening along to this and being like, well, shit. I wonder if I'm doing everything right from a legal and compliance perspective. Now, I've said this a lot, but I'm not an attorney, so nothing I share is legal advice. But over the last 15 years, I've worked with a lot of employment attorneys on a lot of different things related to people in HR. So I've learned a thing or two about helping a business stay compliant with the people stuff and implement some of the best practices so you can cover your ass which is why I'm so excited about a free compliance and best practices checklist we've created over at my company, People Principles. It literally walks you step-by-step how to conduct an HR audit similar to what we do when we onboard new clients. So go grab your free copy over at peopleprinciples.co and you'll see it right there on the homepage. Now back to the show. So let's say you're hiring somebody for the first time. You're a small business. You're probably running around. You're setting the direction. Then you're running over to the sales wing, doing some of the sales work. You're running over to the marketing wing, doing some of the marketing work. Oh, you got to drop down below in order to do some finance and accounting. And oh, you got to deliver on what you sold. You're kind of like running up and down the airplane, fulfilling all of those roles. So when it becomes time that you need to hire, what you actually want to make sure you're hiring for is freeing up time. A lot of the beginning parts of your business, you should be hiring for sales and marketing because you want to keep the business growing. So that might not mean that your first hire is a marketing or a salesperson, but it better mean that whatever you're hiring somebody to do frees up more of your time so that you can do the sales and marketing activities. But if you're not somebody that wants to do that, then perhaps a better hire for you would be somebody to help with sales or marketing. Because if you're just building a business and you're just adding more people to service things, but you're not actually getting out there and getting more business, you're not going to be flying for very long. You're going to crash. And so that is a mistake I see a lot of entrepreneurs make and even just a lot of businesses is they don't hire sales and marketing support early enough. Now, I've also seen the other side too, is businesses, especially after they've gotten fundraising, they just run and they build a sales team and they build a marketing team and they don't have enough infrastructure set up in order to build the thing. So like for the sake of a tech company, what would be considered an OPEX cost is actually engineering, which is crazy to think about, but it is. And so if you're building a software and selling it and you're adding a bunch of sales people, a bunch of marketing people, but the product isn't able to be built fast enough in order to deliver upon what you've promised, you're going to run into problems. And I've seen that happen as well in tech, as well as just in a CPG brand. 
You can have a bunch of people out selling, but if you don't have product to fill the shelves, you're going to run into problems. So it is a little bit of a chicken and egg, and you do want to pay attention to both of them. But the most common mistake I see is that people hire an assistant to free up their time, and then they just spend that time on other aspects of the business that is not sales and marketing. And so that's something just to really be careful of. This is why time tracking also becomes so important, because especially if you're in a service-based business. So if you want to know, and I'm just going to kind of use what I'm doing in my business as an example, but you want to know how much time it typically takes to fulfill something that you've sold. So Molly and I have been tracking our hours to see how many hours it actually takes us to fill a job. Some jobs are harder than others, but on average, it takes us X amount of time so that we know that we can work on so many jobs at once before we're really at bandwidth. And then we even break it down where we're tracking how much time is spent doing different aspects of recruiting because we might be able to hire somebody that is just looking for people for us to reach out to versus actually doing interviews. And so we want to make sure we know how much sourcing work is required, how many hours we spend interviewing for every job. And then we take the average over time and that usually works out to be pretty true. And so that helps us then figure out how many people we need to hire for OPEX for service delivery as we're selling stuff. So if we're out selling a lot of jobs, we want to make sure we have recruiting support that can actually fulfill it in a timely fashion. So that's why tracking your hours is so important. That's just an example for us. You might be listening and you might have, I don't know, what might you be selling? Let's say you're selling a construction, right? And that might be even, that might be a little bit loaded. But if you start to track how many hours it actually takes to build XYZ, then you know how many you can take on, how much you have to flex your staff up, that kind of thing. So you want to start to pay attention to that. So as you're like, okay, that makes sense. What do you do from here? I'm making this up. No disrespect to Mr. Donald Miller, but everybody's so good at telling you certain things, but they don't give you the meat and potatoes of what to do next. So I'm filling in what I think I would do after all of my years of recruiting and building out org charts. So what I would do if you're like, okay, great. Now I need to know what to hire is first get clear on your sales processes. Like, how are you selling your products? So for some of you listening, it might actually be digitally. So whether that's ads, webinars, that type of thing. For other people, it might actually be sales calls where people are actually getting on a call and selling somebody. You want to make sure you're clear on what the different stages of your sales funnel are. And there should be lead gen qualifications and closings for sure. And actually there's six different stages, which I have talk about with Jillian Murphy in a recent episode. You should go back and listen to that. But you want to create what your sales funnel is and then figure out how it is that you are going to go sell. You might also have a business that's geographical. So maybe you have different territories where you need regional salespeople and you want to think about how you're going to divide that up. So you just want to really think about what is our sales process And from there, what's the sales process? What are the steps? How are we selling? And then really starting to set some targets on what a salesperson should be able to do or what the goals are. And this will be a changing target. Whatever you pick now or whatever you decide on now, you're going to do the best that you can and then track it. And then that will help you determine, okay, X amount of people should create this amount in sales. And when you're hiring a salesperson or somebody to support sales, they should always end up paying for themselves, right? Their salary should always end up paying for themselves. So really do a little bit of work as to what your sales process is and 
where you think you're going to grow in the next year from a sales perspective and then assess whether or not you have the right people on the team. At some point, you might end up needing sales support. Now, that's probably once you're at least 20 people, but those are some great questions to start to think about as you're building out your team. And then the same would be for your marketing. What is your marketing strategy? Who is your target audience? How are you going to reach them? How are we going to handle inbound versus outbound marketing? What are the key channels? Is it going to be paid? Is it going to be organic? Is it going to be email? What are those going to be? And then how are you going to measure it? And that will help you think about how to build out a marketing team. Now, if you're building out teams for the first time and you're still a small business under 20 people, you're probably still, or even maybe 15, for sure under 15, maybe even 20, the first few hires you're going to probably make are going to be generalists. So somebody who can do a little bit of everything. They're going to be maybe really good at one thing and decent at some others, but they can do a little bit of everything. That is what you're looking for your first few hires if you're a small team. You want to make sure you're hiring generalists. And then as you get bigger, you're going to make sure you're having the conversations with these people and really tracking metrics and time to then identify, okay, X amount of this person's time is being spent on email. Is it time for us to hire a full-time email marketer or somebody to focus on that? Or are there aspects of email marketing that I can pull out in order to create a new job? So you want to think about that. What often happens that I see not work very well is you'll hire a generalist, they become too busy. So then you hire a lower level generalist and it's just not always helpful for, for that. Maybe you want to do two generalists removed, if that makes any sense. So like you would have a marketing director doing everything and then you have a marketing assistant. And usually those two can tag team it for a while. But then after that is when you start to need to specialize a little bit more. Sales can be a very different approach because salespeople usually are pretty good generalists just forever in their career, but you definitely want to make sure you're hiring generalists first. And then when you're looking at your business infrastructure, you're going to do the same thing. Take inventory of how long it takes for you to deliver client work, try to optimize it and get it as efficient as possible, and then figure out how many clients somebody can take on. You're really going to want to think about what are the areas of the business we're looking to grow next year? Are we looking to scale this offer or this offer? You want to think about where it is you're going to be hopefully doubling down the most in and start to hire for those. So think about future planning for where the business is going and then dissect that down into what that means for how you actually deliver upon what it is that you're selling. And another good rule of thumb, aside from the generalist rule of thumb, is Follow Amazon's pizza rule. I love this. And so Amazon talks about that nobody should have more direct reports than could share a pizza. I think that's about four or five direct reports. I have heard of so many places that have 15 direct reports, 20 direct reports, and that's just too many to do well to actually have the open communications that you need. So as soon as you start to have over five direct reports, your next few hires should then be reporting to somebody else on your team. So maybe that's elevating somebody else so that they have a direct report. Maybe you don't have anyone on the team that's capable of that. So you have to hire from the outside. You'll figure out how to do that best for your business, but follow the pizza rule and never have more than four or five direct reports. So think about your business as an airplane as you're building out your team. Think about what you're going to be growing your business in the next six months to a year and start to build out your team that way. Make sure that the majority of you listening to the show, your 
hires that you have are allowing you and your team to put more time into sales and marketing activities because that's usually where people are the weakest and it is so critical for your business to stay afloat. And if you haven't read that book by Donald Miller, How to Grow Your Small Business, I really recommend it. It's been really helpful for me. So hopefully this has been helpful for you and I'm so grateful that you tune into the show. We are going to continue to dive into some things all about hiring and building out teams for the next few weeks, at least on the solo episodes. So can't wait to chat more about this stuff. Talk soon. We hope you're feeling inspired and ready to take things up a notch in your business. And just wanted to remind you that if you want access to the tools, strategies, and guidance you need, our on-demand HR program might be perfect for you. Say goodbye to corporate HR rules because hello, that's not how I roll here if you've listened to a few episodes. And say hello to straightforward, actionable advice designed just for your small business and actually for you individually. Because you get unlimited email and DM access to our team, including me. It's like having your own HR consultant on speed dial. So don't wait. Take your small business to the next level with our on-demand program at peopleprinciples.co forward slash on-demand. We're here to support you every step of the way of building and leading and managing your team. Thanks for being a part of our community and we'll see you in the next episode.